0: Section 27 of The Complete Works of Braun the Iconoclast, Volume 12. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano The Complete Works of Braun the Iconoclast volume twelve section twenty seven private vengeance a consideration of alleged chivalry some person has sent me a marked copy of the new orleans picayune the marked matter being an editorial substantially approving the manner of the taking off of mr braun the editor of the iconoclast granted that as the picayune declares Mr. Brown wantonly attacks spotless reputation, that decency and purity were not sacred to him, an assumption, by the way, that is a rank injustice to Mr. Brown's memory. Let us see about this matter of private vengeance which the Picayune approves. Are there not laws in all the States against libel? Are there not laws against publishing obscene and defamatory matter? If there be— then what justification can there be for private vengeance? What is the use of laws if men, on any provocation, may set aside those laws, and set themselves above them, and execute the person who may have offended, or who may be imagined to have offended them? If private vengeance is to prevail, what is to prevent any person construing any criticism into a mortal offense, and assassinating the critic, even though the critic be palpably, and undeniably criticizing for the public good when the individual is made the judge jury and executioner of whomsoever displeases him what becomes of law of order of civilization there is not a day in the year that one cannot justify the murder of a hundred editors if the rightfulness of the killing were determinable solely by what the killers thought of the criticisms against them in the papers controlled by those one hundred editors if we can tolerate a state of society in which any man for what seems to him good and sufficient reason for anything from biting the thumb at him to jesting about his whiskers may take the life of another why shall we not tolerate the man who will take another's property because the taker deems the other has too much or has unjustly accumulated what he has what is the result of this sanction of private vengeance it is anarchy Pursued to the ultimate of its logic, it means that every man is a law unto himself, and the justice of an execution rests upon nothing but the opinion or delusion of the executioner. What one man might call a trifle might, to another man, call for blood. You could kill a man because his boots creaked, or his eyes squinted, or he wore the wrong shade of your favorite color in his necktie. Ridiculous? Not at all liking or disliking any of these trifling things is only a matter of personal preference they may be as distasteful to one person as the tone of an editorial is to another if a man may rightly kill a writer like mr Braun, why would it not be right for someone to kill an editor at one time there was talk in the south of killing the late joseph p mccullough for his editorials how if senator hanna were to go gunning for the editorial roasters of himself or for the malevolent cartoonist mr braun attacked hypocritic preachers snide politicians shoddy society people shyster lawyers he did it in to me an exaggerated manner but he felt that such manner was necessary to arouse the people were braun's blasts against baylor university intrinsically worse more a license of the press than let us say the assaults of the new york world the new york journal or the post-dispatch upon pierpont morgan and the trusts and yet if any trust magnate crucified as a bloodsucker on the poor were to shoot the editor on one of these sheets he would be howled to the hangman's noose the trust magnate would be told he should have had recourse to law but in the south no Mr. Braun was rightfully assassinated. No law for him. Why? Because Mr. Braun assailed a few southern josses. If Mr. Braun were justly slain, then the next person who may dislike an editorial in the Picayune may kill its editor on the ground that the editorial, no matter how trifling in its imputation, is carrion journalism. This is a law of chivalric private vengeance, would justify a saturnalia of murder in every large city where gossip circulates in society the chivalry of it a man has written something he deems to be true and comments upon it as he deems it his duty in a quasi-public capacity everyone who does not like the article can take a pop at him but says the chivalrous picayune the law of private vengeance does not apply to anything save grave offences and scurrility Ah. The offensiveness of a criticism is only a matter of individual capacity for pain or humiliation. The trifle is only a trifle, because a man thinks it is so. It may become a thing of importance at any time, if you leave the decision of its importance solely to the judgment of the man who is going to resent it. Private vengeance makes for the creation of a cast of bulldozers. Let it become known in the community that criticism is an invitation to death, and who profit, not the men of spotless reputation not the decent and pure elements of the community not at all the ruffian gang and politics profits the sanctimonious crooks profits the seducer and betrayer who is a dead shot profits every social and civic iniquity flourishes under this dominance of the law of private vengeance all the people who deserve criticism are ready to shoot they are the judges of their own spotless reputations they will kill the man who spots it so it is that in almost every southern city there has grown up a class of political brahmins absolutely secure from criticism that counts take new orleans the papers feared for years to breathe a breath of attack against the spotless reputations of its leaders the story of the corruption that developed is too well known to require telling after all, it is not the people of spotless reputation who are assailed in the papers. Whenever anyone is assailed, the chances are there's ground for the assault, and there is at least a prima facie evidence that attack or exposure is necessary in the interest of public morality. Any reputation would be spotless if no one dared attack it. If it were a high crime to assail people vigorously, how would dishonor, debauchery, fraud, and crime in high places ever be brought to light? If the right of private vengeance shall prevail in any community, then the ruffians and blackguards may pursue their nefarious ends unhampered because of the terror they inspire by threats to shoot their critics. This recognition of the right of the individual to punish, by the infliction of death, the person who has injured him puts the community at the mercy of the worst elements in it it is the extension of the barbarism of lynch law makes every man who wants to be one a mob it develops the idea of savagery and revenge to such an extent that the individual executioner of the offender against himself does not hesitate to wreak his vengeance from behind it promotes assassination aspersions upon the virtue of women are certainly indefensible on any imaginable ground they demand often a punishment which the law is inadequate to provide they cannot be ignored they constitute the exceptions which confirm the rule that it is well to let the law punish slanderers and in general men are expected to protect to the last extremity the reputations of the women of their family and their acquaintance the person who attacks publicly or privately the virtue of a woman deserves the limit of vengeance for the publicity of legal proceedings toward punishment only aggravates the original wrong mr brown did not attack the virtue of girl students at baylor university he attacked the administration of that institution and the killing of him was the result of a distorted view of the trend of his criticisms if it were believed that he assailed the virtue of girl students at baylor He would not have a single mourner in the Southwest. And no man in any part of the United States can have a following of respectable people if he defames women. The feeling of reverence for woman is so general that it is often a defense for personal violence against writers who never dream of attacking feminine honor. Aside from the fact that death is too light a punishment for the man who attacks womanly chastity, the law of private vengeance is not sweepingly and invariably to be condemned. I am not liberal enough in recognition of the great fact of human nature, to admit that the objection to private vengeance is mainly an objection to the recognition of the right of individual execution of the death penalty for any criticism. Men ought not to be shot for criticisms of public institutions. It would be foolish to argue against the fact that men occasionally feel called upon to resent criticism by an appeal to battle without weapons the killing of critics at the whim of the criticized is the evil against which protest is made plain assault and battery is easily defensible on the ground that no one can be expected always to have his temper in control it makes writers careful and it is not followed by the regret which follows killing writers are expected to keep within bounds in their criticisms and even then they are certain to generate ill feeling in the criticized and their friends But so long as the offense is not murderous of reputation, and mortally malevolent, the private execution of writers is an offense not to be condoned on a mistaken interpretation of chivalry. For all sins of journalistic criticism, outside of the diabolism of blasting reputations for virtue, the law provides adequate remedy. And if it does not, then it were idle to say that the exasperated victims of criticism should not have recourse to their fists although decent criticism, free from malice, addressed to people in positions semi-public, would not seem to call for violence under pretense of resenting something much worse. As a rule, I should say that the criticism which does not call for extreme and desperate punishment calls for no notice at all, or, if it does, in the case of men, there are laws, civil and criminal, to cover the case with ample punishment for the offense." This is the practical view of the remedies against Carrion journalism. A public sentiment strong enough to support private vengeance is strong enough to support the law. There are laws for the punishment of slander. More rigorous laws could be enforced. If the people hate slanderers bitterly enough to kill them, then they should hate them enough to see that the laws against slander are enforced. The moral sentiment that can sustain the one could sustain the other. But the individual execution of vengeance is a turning away from the law. It is the fostering of the bully and the killer for drunken pastime. It is a bulwark for boodlers, blackguards, frauds, and lechers. It gives rein to individual passion without limit. Such chivalry is barbarism. Pasquine. End of section 27. Recording by Greg Giordano.